This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Kate. K-State fans, it's officially game week. 2023 K-State football begins this Saturday with a 6 o'clock kickoff. First ever meeting between the Wildcats under fifth-year head coach Chris Kleiman taking on the SEMO Redhawks out of Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Powercat game day will start at 2 o'clock with myself, Cole Manbeck, and Derek Young. And then, by the way, the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, not only back for another season of K-State football, he is back for another season of Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, and Troy Coverdale across the glass joining us as well. Welcome back, Wyatt. I'm happy to see you back, and I'm happy another year of K-State football finally here. I'm with you. It's great to be back, and I think we have spent a lot of the most recent months talking about how great last year was for Kansas State athletics on so many fronts. Football, of course, was a no-brainer to, to say uh, as, as Big 12 champions. The Elite Eight run in basketball, what have you. There were a lot of great stories. And that, I think, led into a good offseason where people were so excited about the future of K-State. And when you think about the new facilities, you know, K-State practiced in the uh, new indoor before the, the Sugar Bowl. And, and, and now with the, the opening coming very, very shortly with the, the new volleyball arena and the Olympic Training Center and all of that, you know the old saying, great day to be a Wildcat, and today is a great day to be a Wildcat. It's sure. been a long uh, nine months yeah. since that Sugar Bowl. Since yeah. uh, and, and don't let anybody tell you that uh, K-State didn't belong in that game. They once led 10 nothing. That's right. I want to remind everybody that. Yeah. Led the Alabama Crimson Tide for a little while there before well, things really— And here's the thing. I, I do want to say this because I think this is important. If you were disappointed with the loss, I, I'm good with it. And, yeah. and I think because—but but let's let's put it into the proper perspective. Okay, and I, I'm going to try to do it like this, and we'll make this very, very fast. K-State won the Big 12, as we all know, right? Great, great record, great season up until that point. But I want to make this point. K-State played well in the first quarter, played well for most of the first quarter and a half. Frankly, did not play all that well after that. They had a chance, especially in that first half. If you, I mean, you can't take things away, right? Mm-hmm. But they, I think, proved to themselves— that they, if they're playing at optimum level, belong, right? And I think they've tried to build off of that in addition to the championship and in, in what they did good in the game against Alabama. Make sense? For Especially sure. when I heard Colin Klein, because I asked him about it when we were traveling you know, on the Catbacker Tour, and he said that that Alabama team, from a, the standpoint of talent, was absolutely one of the best teams. I think what he really said was is it was the best team K-State has played in his time here. Think about that for a minute. So, yeah, disappointing into a great season. Anyway, probably more than we wanted to get into, but it led to a, a good offseason where people are going, can't wait, let's go, and the let's go is close. <laughs> well, before we start really diving into what 2023 looks like, First of all, uh, happy birthday to Troy Coverdale. I don't know how old he is today, but happy birthday, Troy. I wanted to save it for the show. I've seen him a couple of times today. He's probably like, what are you doing, Mitch? I've been here a couple of times. You haven't said a word to me. I knew. 
And I remembered, wanted to save it for right here for the show. Happy birthday to Troy. And I also want to give a shout real quick. I don't want to make a big deal out of this. I don't want to embarrass you or anything here, Wyatt, but you've come in like looking pretty lean. <laughs> and you look like you're in pretty good shape. Well, I'm in better shape, and I have lost a little bit of weight this summer. I'm proud of that. I give most uh, of the credit to my wife, Karen, uh, for you know making me eat. Not making me eat, but making things that are a lot better for me. I made a commitment uh, to it in, in April, and I've, I've done okay. It's more this time, I'm, we're talking off air about, you know, you go up and down and up and down. I'm, I'm kind of tired of the up and down. I, I'm tired of gaining it, having to lose it, gaining it, having to lose it. I'm trying more for lifestyle change this time and it, just eating better and living better and exercising and all that. So far, so good, but we've got a long way to go. But thank well, you. it's one of the hardest things to get in a routine, oh, yeah. working out, eating right, because I don't know why, but those unhealthy foods are just so delicious. They taste way better than the healthy stuff. Well, sure they do. They always have. That's, that's part of the problem, right? I mean, if you named your five or six favorite meals, I'm going to guess that most of them would be more than four or five or six fat grams. Fair? Well, now you're getting whether into a language I don't even know how to speak. Well, whether it's fried chicken or pizza or, what'd you say, off-air chicken nuggets. Oh, some, chicken nuggets. Some, oh, yeah. some of those kind of things are, I'm not, I, don't, I better not say what I was going to say, but uh, <laughs> they're not that healthy for you. They're, they're good. But uh, anyway, it's, 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 it's all good. If fried foods were healthy, we would all look amazing, <laughs> wouldn't we? But I wanted to congratulate you. That's some of the hardest things to sure. to just just grind into your routine and just be in the right mindset. You got to have that motivation. And for me, like I've worked out almost all my life, and I definitely need to get back out there and do better. But once you like get off the horse a little bit or get off the wagon mm-hmm. when it comes to working out, it's really hard to get back on there and get in right. the right mindset to exercise and eat right. And once you get into that routine and you get settled in. Then you're really moving. Then you're really feeling. I mean, I'm sure like this is for anybody. When you work out, when you eat right, and you start seeing the results, man, do you feel good? You do, and and it makes you want to do even more. And all of that's a, a great thing. However, what and this this is I'm talking strictly for me here. I've been at this point many times, right? Now it's like, how am I going to be eating six months from now, a year and a half from now? Five years from now, what whatever it might be, that's going to be the real deal. And I've uh, anyway, <laughs> it's just kind of what it is. Did you like uh, like talk, go talk to Coach True or any of the strength and conditioning coaches about any advice or anything or no, the nutrition not, coaches? No, not necessarily. And you know what? That's I probably could have done that. Scott Travis is I awesome. Uh, yeah. True is as good as anybody out there. Uh, but I, I kind of had. You know, I kind of knew how to go about losing it and, and what have you and, and what is good for you. The, the, the biggest thing for me is is just giving up the junk. Mm-hmm. And by junk, I'm talking about sugary drinks, cookies, cake, ice cream, candy bars, all the things that, as you just talked about, we all love and admire. You just have to – you either ha- eat them and you're, you're satisfied or you don't, and it's like – be happy with the fact that you're a little bit thinner and look a little better. <laughs> For home games, would you ever? Because uh, the uh, the K State football press box, you know, the sixth floor of the uh, West Stadium Center, is famous for its ice cream cooler. Have you ever uh, tried to uh, sneak anything out of there during halftime? Do you stay away from like food and drinks during the game? 
I don't do a good or haven't done a good job of staying, and that's part of the issue here because, um, you know, I'm being a, a soda drinker. You know, I've I've uh, done that a lot. That'll be a challenge coming up, right? And you, I I can't st- sit here and tell you that I've quit. I still have one occasionally, but it, it's it's not like before where I'd have you know four or five or six a day and and think very little of anything about it. So it's just hopefully changing, you know, changing. Change is good sometimes. Yeah, it this is. This is a really strong change. <laughs> so you're inspiring me right now, Wyatt. I need to. Uh, well, you're kind. I appreciate I, I've it. seen some solid results in my day, and I from my mom. She smoked for almost 50 years, and now she hasn't smoked for almost three. Which and is how, great. And she tells me how much she how much she feels better about just her overall health. Sure. I'm like that's. Part of my inspiration, and now you've proven that it can be done. And I know you've talked about it before, but you've, you know, you pounded the stone. You went after <laughs> it. You got it done. It. So good for you to, yeah. to reach those goals. That, that is pretty inspiring. Um, well, like I said earlier, it is game week. You know, K-State soccer, K-State volleyball already underway and off to a phenomenal start. Oh, Volleyball just I should. I was about to say cruise because if you look at the results, it just it feels like they just absolutely got in a groove after losing that first set in game one against Portland State. But they, I mean, they went on to win nine straight mm-hmm. sets after that. So they're three and zero, and K State Soccer two zero and two, two wins and two draws. And we're going to hear from Mike Dabini coming up later in this hour, plus um, a preview of Semo in hour number two and a look at the Big Twelve. Now fourteen teams in the conference. I don't know. You've probably been asked that question a whole bunch about conference realignment and the direction that college athletics as a whole, just oh, going sure. especially driven by new TV deals and football and what kind of eyeballs and money that can draw. But now we have four new programs into the uh, Big 12. And I we've talked, to this, talked about this to exhaustion over this summer about conference realignment. And I don't like the direction it is going, but your mark has been doing a good job of having to do what the Big 12 needs to do and exp- extend to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, bring in now Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado, the yeah. latest. Yeah, you said a lot there. And I, I think I, what I would add is, is that, you know, we may not like the change where we're getting away from playing everybody in football and the true round robin in basketball. I personally will miss that immensely, right? But times are changing. Things are different. You have to do the very best you can to keep up. And I think under those circumstances, with the leadership of Commissioner Yormark and the university presidents and athletic directors in this league, I think going into this year and certainly going into next year, the Big 12 has put itself in a, in a position to where they're going to be relevant and, and hopefully for a long, long time. And that's it's pretty important. Well, uh, a couple of things about game week this Saturday. I, I wanted to point out a couple of things. Make sure you you pay attention to the stripe out map. We are striping out Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Sometimes it's not looked too good. But I think of recent efforts of trying to do these stripe outs either to begin the seasons or basketball, whatever. It's looked a lot better. Uh, but KStateSports.com has that map of what color you need to wear, the purple or white. Uh, and I wanted to point this out as well. It is going to be hot. Mm-hmm. We are talking a high of around or right on 100 degrees and I know warm kickoff uh, home kickoffs to start the season we're used to them I guess but not quite used to 100 degree days on the day of kickoff I did the uh, research earlier and I had it here somewhere 
So in this century, we have only touched triple digits on the home kickoff to start the season twice. I remember this well, 2013, when North Dakota State came to town. We lost that game. It was opening up the new West Stadium Center. That was an extremely hot day. We got to 101. Mm. I was surprised to find this number, though. I thought it was going to run through the rest of the 2000s while finding another. The only other one was in the year 2000. Louisiana Tech was in town. That was not the opener for the season, but it was a home opener in Manhattan. Because that year they opened up against Iowa and Kansas City, and I think that was a pretty hot day. 110 degrees. Wow. The home opener in 2000 against Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Be careful out there. Uh, I know everybody is excited for this team, the start of the season and all of that, but hydrate on Friday. Be prepared for Saturday, right? Do, do Start even maybe Thursday, late afternoon, early evening. Be hydrated so you can, you know, have a beverage or two or whatever and, and, and still drink that water and or Gatorade or w- whatever it might be. Uh, and and try to take your out of the sun kind of breaks because it's going to be in in some parts of the stadium pretty scorching for for a little while. Let's take our first break on Wildcat Insider, and when we come back, we begin our preview of K State football in 2023. We look at the defensive side of the football depth chart was released earlier today, and expectations with Wide and I when we come back on Wildcat Insider. recognize this song but Billy Carrington okay he is fantastic I love that song AJ is this one of yours did you st- steal this from Troy I'm just playing him off the beds man okay much. I get it <laughs> I get it he's training he, it's it's not his time yet to put his own music in there but one day one day he'll get there AJ Shaw by the way on the board right now is Troy's training him uh back on Wildcat Insider with Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats Wyatt Thompson in hour two we'll look at the offense in depth what to expect in 2023 in a preview of the Red Hawks. SEMO coming to town on September 2nd. I also want to look at the Big 12. Maybe a little bit ask us anything. Mike Dabini joins us later on in this hour. But Wyatt, felt like this would be a good time to tackle the defensive side of the football for the Cats. Uh, a side of the football that only returns five players and some star power. Does exit. You're talking about a couple of NFL draft couple of NFL draft guys and Josh Hayes and um, Julius, Julius Brintz, mm-hmm. Echo right now. Looks like he might make the team potentially with the Kansas City Chiefs. And by the way, speaking of the Chiefs, Felix yeah. is gone. So you feel like right now there's a lot to replace. Where, where, where would you like to start? Because you get to go to practice and get to see these guys behind the scenes. What level do you think we should start out with? What what has really stood out to you? Well, a couple of things right out of the gate. I'll, I'll call them 1A and 1B. Is okay. that all right to do it that way? Sure. And that is that Daniel Green is back at middle linebacker. Coming back for a sixth season, uh, I think it may in the beginning surprise the coaches a little bit. They weren't necessarily expecting that. But we all know what a good football player he is. And to have him come back is a big deal. 1B for me would be Duke Duke moving back to what I believe is his most natural position. Absolutely. And that's a defensive end. He, I, uh, I really, really hope that he is as explosive and as good now as what he was prior to the knee injury uh, a couple of years ago. He is an explosive, strong guy. Is he Felix Anudike Uzama? Maybe not, but he's pretty darn good. And I think if he can be healthy 
and give K-State maybe 90% of what he was before the injury or 95%, mark me down and let's go. I'm in. He's a good football player. I think actually we had this conversation uh, right after we found out Daniel Green was coming back. Because I, and I've mentioned this many times, but I was right there when he told Arnie Green that he was not coming back right. in 2023. That was right after the Sugar Bowl. And I was like, I think we were actually expecting that. He was already, I mean, he was 24 years old or going on 24 years old. If he wants that shot at the next level, that's probably his time to get out of here and, and give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And then all the coaches have said this. When Daniel Green announced that he was coming back, Big surprise and a very pleasant surprise. Huge. Welcomed surprise that Daniel Green can come back because you're talking about the quarterback of the of the defense, and you can't I mean you can't replace that experience. He's been starting now for a couple of years. Yeah, and I think what makes it so big is, in addition to his skill set and his experience, is the fact that think about what happened last year. You had his running mate to his one side have a breakout year in a big way in Austin Moore. And now here we are this year, and the coaches are raving about Desmond Purnell and the progress that he has made two years after a position switch from the secondary safety to to linebacker. So all of the sudden, that's three pretty solid linebackers uh, for the Wildcats. It has been a, a scenario where they've been, I'd say over the last few years, a little more thin there than they want to be. But for me personally, it isn't just those three guys. I think the depth there has improved immensely with Toby Osinsami, who's a red shirt, and he is going to be a good football player. I love Jake Clifton, and in part because of his smarts, he can play really all three linebacker spots. And Asa Newsom, you're going to love Asa Newsom. He's from Waverly, Iowa. He's got thighs that – well, this is radio. You can't see this, but he, he – I mean, he has – He's a muscular dude, and I think he's going to be a really fine football player in time. When when Wyatt was holding his hands up, it looked like he was trying to frame up a turkey. Yeah, kind of look uh, huge. Well, you know who comes to? I mean, he's not maybe necessarily this big or that strong, but when I first saw him, I said, "Earl Campbell." Oh, that's probably a little unfair, and I get it, but it, it kind of gives you a sense of what I was thinking in that. And, and he's an instinctive player too. Uh, he's been a real. Pleasant surprise for me. Not, I'm not saying for the coaches. I think the coaches knew what they were getting, but when I first saw him, I'm going, "Whoa!" You know, you just kind of and and he's a good looking football player. Let you explain a little bit on um, on Desmond Purnell because last week when we had Climb and Action, I specifically asked about Desmond Purnell winning the job because when I think of Desmond Purnell, I actually think of just like a, a special teams guy, right? That that's where he stood out to me. Is he, I mean, he had that touchdown, that block punt. By Seth Porter last year against South Dakota, he returned it for a touchdown. But as a linebacker, I can remember him, you know, making a couple of plays in some meaningful snaps once in a while. But like calling his name out at the bill, I don't, I didn't remember that too often. I was maybe expecting a little bit more of a competition at strong side with Toby. Yeah, and you know maybe we come down to the last week, but it seemed like a couple of weeks ago it was already a done deal, and Desmond won the job. Desmond, I think, really did a nice job in special teams last year and got just enough reps to where once this season started in January, where he's now bumped up to almost 225 pounds and gone through spring reps all of the summer and then camp reps, uh, 
he, he's playing at a different level confidence-wise and speed-wise. And he's a guy who, I mean, think about it. He was a safety, so he can run. And I don't know that he's necessarily lost that much speed going from 210-ish to 224, 225. That's a good thing. I, I just I love his motor. But he's more than just a high motor guy. I think he's really a pretty cerebral football player too. And you did name drop this guy earlier. What makes me really love this trio at linebacker is Austin Moore on that weak side. I mean, well, you're talking about your leading tackler returning from last year, second guy in tackles for loss, and by the way, broke up four passes, yeah. was forcing fumbles. He did so much for KC last year. It was absolutely a well welcome breakout year. Well, he's very humble, and and he's one of those guys that. His work ethic is off the charts. I don't think you earn a a nickname like the machine if you're not doing everything right most of the time and in the right spot most of the time. And that's that's Austin Moore, right? I mean, you're you're going to find linebackers in the league that are probably better athletes than him, maybe a couple of two or three inches taller, but he just assignment wise is is rock rock solid and a terrific tackler. And again, I, he, I just think he, he brings a lot of things to the table. Meanwhile, the defensive line, I've noticed on the two deep that um, Uso Samalu not listed. So right now that kind of is a sign that he may be out for the first game. Because, I mean, to give you another example, Carver Willis is going to be the starter at right tackle. We knew mm-hmm. Christian Duffy might miss a game or two to start out. And then there's one more I'm missing. Who am I – of the injuries. Oh, Daniel Green. Right. Daniel Green was one we knew. Coach said it last week. He should be back late last week or whatever. He's back. He's in the two deep. But maybe missing Uso there at nose guard and maybe and no doubt going to be missing Christian Duffy. I, I, I think that really stinks actually for Uso because I'd love to ha- have him get those live reps. Well, here's the thing I would say, and I've, I've been at K-State fortunate to be at Kansas State a long time. I don't think I'm stretching this by saying this. I don't know if I've seen a defensive lineman improve so much in one year's time as Uso Sayamalo has wow. done. He he has transformed his body. Okay. I mean, I'm gonna just tell you last spring when I saw him, I'm gonna guess he was walking around at maybe three sixty five ish. And now he's more like three thirty five ish. And with his motor and athleticism, I mean, if you talk to the players and, and sometimes they tell you you know, they give you a pretty good idea of what he's like. How many of you? How many times have you heard a player say the guy's a beast? Right. I mean, that's what they're describing yeah. him as, and um, he's also learned. And this is key. Okay, I think he learned a immense amount of football last year from Eli Huggins. Eli Huggins is one of those guys that I think will go down as one of the best, most underrated players in K State history. The guy was assignment virtually perfect, always in the right place. Never was hurt until, unfortunately, after his career trying to get ready for the NFL. Yeah. But he, he was a warrior. And I think Uso learned a lot from just watching how he went about everything. Nutrition, weight room, meetings, practice, effort in games – and boom, all of a sudden he shows up and starts doing what he's doing in the spring. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hopeful that if he can't go in week one, that maybe, you know, it's 
you know, week two. Let's hope that's the case. Yeah, and it's not a big worry for me. I just I would love to get him as much experience as possible before sure. you get to Missouri and the Big 12 schedule because he's very limited with his first year last year because yep. he was not a starter at Gar- uh, Garden City. Um, but, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think when he when he's ready to go, he's going to make a make an impact, no doubt about it. In, in, in the edge, guys, and I'll just say this real quickly, with Khalid Duke, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he could be just as much of a stud as, as Felix. And on the other side, you're talking about Nate Matlack, a guy that should have a big breakout year last year, injured, just didn't have the year he was looking for. He's going to have a big year, but then you have Brendan Mott, who had six sacks last year. Right. I mean, you got a one-two punch there. Whoever's in the ball game on that left side of the defensive line can make just as much of an impact. So I, I'm very comfortable about where this defensive line is currently. I am too. I, I really, uh, you know, we talked about Khalid a little bit, but again, this is a big if, and I understand that. But if Nate Matlack can play a season healthy, with what Brendan Mott did last year, you remember when Nate got shaken up early, yeah. it, nobody really even had a, much of a clue of who Brendan Mott was. And and the truth is, Brendan might not have been the splash that a Felix was or, or, or Khalid Duke was a few years ago, but from a consistent standpoint, he was pretty solid. And I, I think, again, good football player. And to have those two guys with Duke and then some of those good-looking Young players, um, and, and, and I, I could name several guys, but I, I think about a Donovan Ryman, who's a redshirt freshman, or you know Cody Stufflebean can do some things. He's he's really really strong, and then uh, I really really like all three of those freshmen. I, I think Ryan Davis and Jordan Allen and Chidi Obiaizor are going to be really fine players in time. They're good players now. They'll be really fine players. Chidi, I, I know he's yeah. not listening to two D, but he is somebody I'm very excited He'll play. to see. He'll play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, and then we'll uh, we'll finish up here on the secondary. And this is the area of the field that had had come into the offseason with the most question marks because you're replacing uh, mostly everybody from Julius Brins, Echo Boido, and then in you know the safety position only Kobe Savage returning starter. And I'm a big Kobe Savage guy. <laughs> I knew he would be a ball hawk. I knew he would turn over teams. It's exactly what he did last year. Then he gets hurt in the Baylor game and doesn't play for the rest of the year. That was a concern for me in the secondary when he was not going to be able to play in the Big 12 championship game. But the secondary held their own for sure. Uh, so here are the listed starters, and it's going to be some new names in here. Marquis Siegel's going to play free safety. He transferred in from North Dakota State. Uh, your jack safety is going to be VJ Payne. That's a name we know. And uh, who did start a few games last year, and Kobe Savage. And then your corners, Jacob Parrish, Kenan Garber, 1-2 there on one side. And the other side, a couple of names you might not know. Will Lee, who's also a transfer, Juco transfer, and Justin James, who's also a, a Juco transfer. We've heard plenty of great things by, about just about everybody that was listed there. Now it's just kind of a, you know, it's, it's now time to go prove it and well, see what these guys are all about. I've said this a lot of times about going into this year having to rebuild the secondary and I'm pretty confident they will because if you go back and listen to this show on tape and I don't know if we can go back that far but two years ago and last year we were talking about similar things right we just were and when and I think this is a better group than a lot of people might perceive them to be around the league and I was going to actually punch you in the nose if you if you said anything other than you love watching Kobe Savage play. If you don't like watching Kobe Savage play, you're not watching, right? He's amazing. Oh my gosh, I love the guy. I love everything about him. I love a safety. <laughs> 
that will just fly to the flat and tackle a guy at the line of scrimmage. No doubt. And he can do it. And by the way, Simo's got a guy that's pretty good in that secondary, too. We'll talk about him later. But uh, Kobe, I mean, if I could go a little bit further on Kobe, I mean, I just love the way he tackles. He goes, I, I mean, I just kind of briefly mentioned that. But he's he is a difference in what we've seen in the past when it comes to safeties and the way they tackle because – you know, it was kind of like at the tail end there of the Bill Snyder era, era, the beginning of the climate era, where it was some like just poor tackling from the secondary. And I hated it because they would just try to bump somebody or hit somebody with their shoulders. They wouldn't fly and go wrap somebody up. I'm, you know, it's just a completely different mentality. And then, by the way, you want to talk about the coaching job that has been done by Joe Klanderman and the secondary of when they get transfers into play in the secondary. He and Van Malone are amazing. Oh, in, yeah. incredible. In, uh, yeah. Of course, in Van Malone. Yeah. The work that they do with transfers has been so incredible. I mean, there hasn't been really anybody that hasn't worked out. One thing I will mention, too, because we're talking about the depth chart, but there are a couple of guys on there that we we really need to mention, and that's Jordan Wright and Colby McAllister. And I think we need to mention them because both of those guys are going to play a lot. But here's the even bigger key. Those guys are good enough to play multiple positions. You know how often we talk about the offensive line and this guy can play left guard and left tackle and whatever it might be. These guys can play, you know, a jack safety or a corner or maybe a free at times. And that is a big deal to have that kind of that kind of depth. I gotta ask one more question about the secondary, and I've hope you've seen them in person a few times. <laughs> but if there was one surprise that it, it honestly caught me off guard when I heard this name dropped. Because when I thought of the 2023 class, I thought he was like kind of towards the bottom when it comes to athleticism. Even though he's a coach's, sh- a coach's son, Jack Fabris, who's going to be a backup at Jack Safety, it's an or situation with Trey Krause, who is a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Jack Fabris is a true freshman. I mean, what do you what do you think about him? Is it, do you feel like he can be the real deal? Yeah, I do. And I'll be honest, and this is straightforward, as honest as I can be. I didn't necessarily – he didn't jump right out at me in watching really from the start. If I'm talking about the new kids that were like, wow, right out of the gate, it had been like a guy like Kenigel Thomas or a guy like McIntosh or whatever. But the more you watch Jack, the more you realize good body, smart, tough. You can see he's a coach's kid. And he just kind of continued to be there and get more reps and more reps. And then the next thing you know, he's running with the twos and he's getting a, you know, a, a few reps with the ones. And it's like, man, this guy, he's going he's gonna to put himself in a position to play. And I think he'll play a lot of special teams. He's a good-looking kid, good-looking player. Well, that is great news to hear. Yeah. Because, honestly, not all our hype. 2023 is considered maybe the best recruiting <laughs> class ever, but – Unfortunately for Jack, I mean, maybe we were just being too harsh on him. We didn't know enough about him, but was not considered one of the crown jewels of that class, not even close, really. That's pretty exciting, actually, to see he's already making that kind of splash to land potentially second-team safety as a true freshman. That is, yeah. that's, a, that's a very pleasant surprise. No question. When we come back, real quick, in hour number two, we'll get to the offense, and we'll also preview – uh, SEMA, but when we come back, we'll step away from football talk. K-State soccer is off to a hard start. We'll talk with head coach Mike Dabini.
Hour one, Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Let's uh, turn our direction to K-State Soccer, who started their season a couple of weeks ago. And they're now off to a 2-0 and 2 start, two wins and two draws on the 2023 campaign. We're now by, now joined by the eighth-year head coach of K-State Soccer, that is head coach Mike Dabini. Coach, great to talk to you once again. How's it feel to have four results so far early in the year? Oh, it feels good. Uh, I think we're playing well. Uh, four good results, a uh, couple on the road, a couple at home. So it was great to be home and finally get to play in front of our crowd. Mike, good to talk to you again. Glad to have you with us. I, I just was curious as to maybe what that draw at Northwestern can do for you, at least in the short term moving forward. That You came within an eyelash of beating a top 25 team on the road. That's hard to do. Yeah, I mean, it gave us confidence. It definitely allowed us to understand that we have the depth to compete at a high level. Uh, you know, I think it started a, a couple weeks prior to that when we went to Arkansas and played an exhibition game that they were trying to win, and we drew there. So it kind of gave us confidence then. Uh, but uh, it allowed us to build confidence, show our depth, and have the ability to go on the road and compete at the, at the highest level. What's really stood out about your team so far, Coach, is, is is how good you've been defensively. And it's led by Murphy Sheaf, who's a newcomer in goal. She's a sophomore from Australia who played for the New Zealand national team uh, there for just a brief moment. And uh, she has already set a new record for a shutout streak of 350 minutes, has not allowed a goal since that first half of game number one. Um, and she's the only goalkeeper right now in the Big 12 with three shutouts on the year early in this campaign. But I knew the job was open heading into the season. When did she earn the job and earn your confidence? Um, I think the week prior to uh, going up um, to Chicago and Green Bay to play our two matches. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Murphy does a really good job. She's a presence in the goal, gives us confidence. Morgan Hobbs also is a great keeper. We have two quality keepers. Uh, I think just Murphy's uh, a little bit more experience um, allowed her to uh, uh to win the job and uh, their presence in the goal gives our defense some confidence and gives our team some confidence. So we're excited that she's with us and she made some big saves uh, for us this weekend. K-State head coach for soccer, Mike Dabini with us. Mike, I think he mentioned there that you guys are such a solid defensive team. I know goalkeeping is a monster part of that, but from your perspective, give us a sense of what those others are doing right now well and maybe who is standing out uh, and off to a two zero and two start. Uh, you know, it's really hard to single out one player. It's been a team effort. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about it as a as a team, and I think our our our, our you know our go to right now, our model right now, going into every single game is to be um, to have some defensive intensity. Everybody has to do their part. Um, we're hard to break down, and if we can do that, our offense will come naturally because we're really good soccer players. So that's kind of what's been our motto, and, and is defensive first, mindset first, and uh, let the offense just kind of free flow based on the things that we work on and maybe create even some set, piece, set pieces or restarts for us to use our height and our size in the box. And it, It's been working for us, so we're going to continue to build off of that and just continue to perfect it as much as we can. Coach, I've had the chance of watching you in person one time, and that was – back on Thursday in your 2 nothing win against UTSA where you had two freshmen score goals that were 37 seconds between one another. And uh, Joe C. scores your first one in a great heads-up play after the first shot 
the, the, the goalkeeper spills in, she cleans it up and scores. Morgan Strutman then with a beautiful goal. But right after Joe sees, but you know, they've also made impacts in other matchups where one may be leading in shots, giving you multiple opportunities to score. Do you see that very often, and maybe not just at K-State, but around the Big 12 where freshmen are making that kind of impact so early in their first season? You know, um, it's different everywhere, but uh, at least for us, and I can speak on us, um, those players are hungry to play and and uh, hungry to get out there, and, and they have a desire, and, and, and their urgency to, to prove something is, is shown really early. So um, we're happy with them. Um, it's, it's much needed. They give us, you know, that people say we're they're game changers coming off the bench, to be honest, and to be fair, I think they're reinforcements. <laughs> I mean, they're just as good. To, to start the matches, but they do their job and they play their role really, really well. And it allows us to be deep uh, in every position, especially up top. How much are you enjoying coaching these freshmen? It seems to be a pretty special class. I, I get it that it's early on, but nice-looking group of young ladies. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it's what we envisioned um, as we kept building this program. And they're starting to come in. Um, you know how it was when we first started a program from scratch. And mm-hmm. You get players that you know uh, that can have the quality to compete at the high level, and it's just fun to watch and fun to see it unfold. So we're excited. Well, with Vanderbilt on the horizon, I, I was trying to tell you after the game because you were trying to uh, take a phone call, and I tried motioning over to you. I was like, "Wow!" Like just watching the develop of play. And just the chemistry, the speed, I just felt like it is just all at another level right now. But what what do you feel is the next step and, you know, maybe next time getting a result against a Creighton now that you have Vanderbilt on the horizon? You know, I think we have a lot of progress still to be made. And I know that we are off to a good start. But the, the, the mindset of our team has to continue to get better. I feel like, you know, having a Sunday day match um, – we weren't as sharp as we could have been, um, like a night match on the early, you know, the first match of the weekend. Um, our younger players need to get used to Sunday matches because we all know Sunday matches are very, very hard. Um, and I felt like, you know, our younger, our younger group that came in, our underclassmen, did a really good job to get us through Thursday night. And I felt like our upperclassmen, with their experience, did a good job to get us through that that match. So if we can get a combined effort from both the underclassmen and the upperclassmen for 90 minutes, this team could be dangerous. Well, Coach, to wrap up, like I mentioned just a moment ago, you're heading to Nashville for a Thursday nighter against Vanderbilt. I believe that's the first road trip in program history to against a SEC opponent uh, in the regular season. They're also 2-0-2. Are you expecting a matchup like a Northwestern? Yeah, that's a good question. They're a very well-coached team. They have a lot of talent there. We're excited about getting on the road and playing an SEC team. Um, you know, I'm expecting if we bring the standard of play that we've been playing like we did at Northwestern, uh, I think it should be a good match. But, uh, you know, the best the best thing I can say is we're going to learn a lot about ourselves going on, going on the road and playing an SEC team. So uh, we're excited about that. Is the team pretty excited to come back home then that Sunday and host a team like Nebraska? They probably don't know the history there, but it's a former rival, and they're also pretty close to home, and you also recruit in Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, starting this weekend with that Vanderbilt and coming home to Nebraska, and then obviously Memphis, things are heating up with our schedule. We're excited about the three next games that 
allow us to play against top 25 teams or other Power 5 teams from other conferences. Yep, four more non-con to go, and then you have 10 in-conference play. Coach, looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Team's looking good so far, so best of luck this week against Vanderbilt and Nebraska. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. Thanks, sir. That's K-State soccer coach Mike Dabini here on the game. We'll go and wrap up hour one of the show. Um, But I want to thank Coach once again for coming on. Like I said, boy, last Thursday. (laughs) I mean, it just felt like they were absolutely on another level defensively. I had seen that in previous games where they're just kind of they're playing lights out. One mistake in one game, and they've held shutouts ever since. And now the offense, like it, it's starting to come together. Like it's finally like okay, now you're really seeing the jump where you're going to see real competitive soccer. You said a lot there. They have made a ton of improvement, but you also heard him say they're going to get, they're getting better, and there there's still more there in the tank. All right, hour to the game, looking at the K-State offense and a preview of SEMO coming up, plus week one in the Big 12, what to expect. Hour two, Wildcat Insider is coming up next. Next on Wildcat Insider.